from our gospel. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Lord move in us this day to receive what you have for us. Guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit, that's a big topic. To tell you about the Holy Spirit is to tell you about the wind. So powerful, yet so beautiful when it bends branches, rustles leaves, and sets in motion ships of sail. The Holy Spirit of God, who brooded over darkness and chaos before creation, and with God and Jesus blew earth, the planets and their courses, and us into being. The Holy Spirit, in a way, is like the wind, gentle as a soft breeze against our skin, like God whispering to us, He is here, He is near yet powerful enough to birth a universe. Who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Holiness, is an eternally living member of the Trinity. In the Trinity, the Godhead, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Lord of all creation. Jesus, his Son, conqueror of sin and death, Healer and disease. Healer of disease. The Holy Spirit, comforter and counselor, helping us become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been called the Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of life and holiness and glory. The holiness and purity of the Spirit is so sacred and so beautiful that we dare not speak against it. In fact, did you know that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you commit an unforgivable sin? As Matthew cautions us, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. I always wondered about this passage. What is it about the Spirit that we cannot blaspheme? What is the essence of the Spirit? Well, I do know Jesus came to earth to tangle with the darkness of the world and to defeat death itself, and defeated he did. He can handle having people speak against him. The Holy Spirit of the Trinity is different. The Spirit's nature is one of beauty and generosity. The Spirit's generous nature caused Jesus and Paul and other New Testament writers to use names for the Spirit that bespeak selfless generosity. Names like giver, helper, comforter, advocate, guide, and revealer. The Spirit's goal isn't to tangle with darkness like Jesus. 
It's to breathe new life into us, to unfurl that image at the beginning so that we can establish Jesus' kingdom of light here on earth, doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. The nature of the Spirit is always thoughtful about how he can help, guide, and build us up to create God's kingdom here. The Spirit selflessly points us to Jesus, and Jesus selflessly points us to God. All this selflessness sounds beautiful to me. In fact, sounds like beauty itself. Through the Spirit, Jesus' beauty flows into us, enabling us to emanate the fragrance of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, and faithfulness. Imagine that beauty coming out of you. I suppose the big question is, do we want the beauty of the Holy Spirit to flow in and out of us? On the one hand, that we would say yes. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. Do we want to be the temple's dwelling place, the, temp- the Spirit's dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit? Mary did. The beautiful spirit, spirit of God came into Mary not only to conceive him, but to shape Jesus' character and empower his miracles. Imagine saying yes and experiencing the truth of what Paul wrote to the Romans. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, in you, in you. Good news. With baptism, this Holy Spirit of grace, of goodness, of love, flows into each of us. Jesus, ever honoring our free will to accept or reject him, made a point of asking each of his disciples to receive this gift. From our gospel, we heard that he said, Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. When he said, peace be with you the second time, it wasn't to settle them down from being startled that their dead teacher had just walked through a wall and appeared to them. No, the second time he wanted them to really hear, peace, peace, peace be with you. Since he knew that this peace could only come through the promised Holy Spirit, he blew on them the spirit of the living God and bid them receive. This is where the invitation is, because receive in the Greek has the implication of volition, of actively, aggressively laying hold of what is on offer. It has an invitation. Actively lay hold of it. Mary didn't allow doubts or fear of the future have the last word, did she? When Mary learned that the Holy Spirit would come upon her so that she could conceive the Son of God within her, she made a commitment move and actively lay hold of what was offered. 
She said, be it unto me according to your will, according to your word. I asked Dennis how he feels when I tell him that he has beauty himself living inside him. He said, makes me feel like there's orderliness inside me. And I realize that there's a huge responsibility that comes with it. So I say, thank you. Thank you very much. And then I wait to see if God wants to do anything with the Holy Spirit inside me. Sounds good to me. When we learn that we have, by virtue of our baptism, a member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit inside us, do we make a commitment move to actively lay hold of what is offered? Or do we hesitate? It is an individual decision with potentially glorious consequences. I asked our Trinity North Shore children how they felt about the reality of the Holy Spirit of God living inside them. One child said, it's weird. <laughs> Another one said, it's like being a watermelon and then there's a watermelon inside you. something theologically astute in this. <laughs> what do we say? When enough individuals say yes, our individual decisions start combining and affect our ability to do the collective work God has in store for us to manifest God's kingdom and will here on earth as it is in heaven. By allowing ourselves to be transformed, we can join with others and be effectual as God's chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his peculiar people. As J.B. Phillips in his paraphrase, as we heard it earlier today, all the old titles of God's people now belong to you. It is for you now to demonstrate the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into his amazing light. In the past, you were not a people at all. Now you are the people of God. Through the Spirit's generous nature, we receive strength for life in Christ counsel, and kingdom-building love, graces, and spiritual gifts. Through the gifts, we're able to manifest God's kingdom here on earth. Doing his will on earth, as it is in heaven, becomes our greatest joy. Does establishing the Father's kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven, excite us? propel us to lay hold of the gifts of the Holy Spirit inside us? Do we want this? Knowing what we want is pretty key. As Luke Reddington wrote in his poem, The Keys of the Kingdom, desire is the coin of God's kingdom. Would you like to learn how this beautiful spirit has gifted you specifically? 
Next week, I'll be talking about the spiritual gifts and how each of us can discern which ones we have and how to fly the plane, if you will. For now, this week though, let's think about what we really want. We've been hearing a lot this past year about access, access to the internet so kids can do virtual school, access for voting, access to our loved ones in nursing homes. We seem to get it that access is very important. The good news is that no matter what our varieties of background, education, income, ethnicity, we all have access to this one spirit. As Paul put it, we are no longer then when we join with others in saying yes. We're no longer strangers and aliens, rather fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It feels providential to me that the name of our church is Trinity. Each member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are distinct persons, if you will, and yet are one. We are distinct persons, yet we have an invitation through the Spirit to be one body of Christ, building blocks of a kingdom. Today has been just a brief introduction to the person and nature of the Spirit, who is beautiful and around us and inside us. Next week, we'll begin to unwrap the specific gifts of the Spirit. And we'll learn how we, indwelt and guided by the Spirit, can help build God's kingdom here on earth. In closing, let's ask the wind of the Spirit to stir in us and around us. Let's pray. Breath of Jesus, breathe on us unfurl within us. We receive you. Unfurl within us. We receive you. Holy Spirit of creation, thank you for dwelling in us. Thank you for radiating in us with the same life-giving beauty which dwells in God the Father and Jesus his Son. Help us to contemplate your beauty by thinking on these things, whatever is true, noble, and honest. Whatever is just and holy, whatever is pure, lovely, and beautiful, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, on these things help us to dwell, that the Spirit of God may be with us may unfurl within us. In love and thanks, we dedicate ourselves wholly to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Let's return now to our service bulletins that are on our phones or maybe we printed them. And let's pray together a prayer of self-dedication using the words of early 20th century Anglican priest and Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple. I'll give you a minute to pull it up. Let's pray together. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare 